What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 36 of Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. The countdown continues. Today, we are bringing you the eighth best game of the last decade, and it comes to us from October 29th, 2014, Game 7 of the World Series between the San Francisco Giants and the Kansas City Royals. This was one of the more unlikely World Series matchups that we've seen in recent memory, especially coming into this postseason. No one thought that it would be these two teams that would be facing off against each other in the World Series. The Royals had a phenomenal second half of the season in 2014, making the playoffs and and eventually making it to the World Series for the first time in 29 years since their World Series championship team of 1985. The Giants, who had been extremely competitive, obviously, this was an experienced team, won the World Series in 2010 and 2012, and were very good for a majority of 2014, but stumbled in the second half of the season and stumbled into the postseason until they got hot, won the National League wildcard game. We talked about them upsetting the Washington Nationals in four and then beating the St. Louis Cardinals in five games. And after a hard-fought series here, they found themselves in game seven against the Royals. This game played at Kansas City in Kauffman Stadium. Uh, the previous night, the Royals had dominated. Uh, they won 10-0. Jake Peavy got rocked. Jordano Ventura, the late Jordano Ventura, pitched seven scoreless innings. And this series had gone back and forth. The Giants dominated game one. Royals fought back and won game two. And a close game three on the road. San Francisco won 11-4 in game four. Madison Bumgarner, a complete game shutout in game five. And then, of course, in game six, the Royals dominated. So I didn't, I really didn't know who was going to win this thing. I, I felt like... It was probably, if I had to guess, going to be the Giants. I just, I this Royals team had gotten so hot. Uh, I just, I don't know, I felt like the Giants were a little bit better, and they had the best player in this series, and Madison Bumgarner going to be talking about him a lot throughout this episode. Uh, no disrespect to these starting pitchers, but I think most people believe that neither one of these guys were going to go very deep into this ballgame pending a miracle. You had a pitching matchup between Tim Hudson, who had a long, very good career. Tim Hudson, a phenomenal pitcher in his time in the major leagues, but was you know in the late stages of his career going up against Jeremy Guthrie, who pitched some all right baseball in 2014, but throughout his career had been pretty much an innings eater and nothing more. You, you felt like this was probably going to be a bullpen game. And you felt like the team that was going to get ahead early was probably going to be the one that was going to win because the Royals had a lockdown bullpen made up of guys like Kelvin Herrera and Wade Davis and Greg Holland. And the Giants had the ultimate weapon in the back end of their pen, though they had a pretty darn good bullpen in their own right. But you knew at some point Madison Bumgarner was going to be getting into this ballgame. And that was the last person that the Kansas City Royals wanted to see. The scoring was opened up in this game in the second inning. Uh, Jeremy Guthrie, you could tell, was uh, walking on thin ice through most of his start here. In the second inning, Pablo Sandoval gets hit by a pitch. Hunter Pence singles. Brandon Belt singles. Loading the bases with nobody out. You get back-to-back sack flies by Mike Morse and Brandon Crawford. Juan Perez would strike out swinging. But the Royals would get two back in the bottom of the second. Alex Gordon would hit an RBI double scoring Billy Butler. Later in the inning, Omar Infante would hit a sack fly to center scoring Alex Gordon. And the Royals did what the Royals had done all season, especially all postseason fought back. Two nothing erased just like that. I've talked about it before. This Royals team was so relentless offensively in 2014, 2015. They were a team that made you 
make plays defensively. They never struck out. They constantly put the ball in play. And Tim Hudson's night would be done after an inning and two-thirds. His last World Series appearance, he goes an inning and two-thirds, three hits, two earned runs, one walk, and one strikeout on only 28 pitches. And then Bruce Bochy went with their most reliable reliever. Obviously, Madison Bumgarner pitched in relief in this game, but he was obviously a starter, had only made one postseason or one one career uh, relief appearance before this game. But Jeremy Affelt came into this ballgame. A lot of people, this goes overlooked, and I think it's just it's this weird stat. Jeremy Affelt, good pitcher, pretty solid major league reliever, middle inning guy. He could pitch long relief, did some very solid work in his time in San Francisco. But very strangely, after Mariano Rivera, if you're looking for probably the second greatest postseason reliever of all time, Jeremy Affelt might be the guy. And he came in on this evening and was wonderful once again. Jeremy Affelt has the lowest career postseason whip, walks and hits per innings pitched, of any pitcher in Major League history, minimum 25 innings pitched. And tonight, they needed him, and he was remarkable yet again. But it wasn't all peaches and cream. In the bottom of the third inning, Lorenzo Cain would start off with a single to right field. Eric Hosmer then would hit a sharp ground ball up the middle, and the rookie, Joe Panic would make one of the most underrated defensive plays in World Series history. Here's one up the middle. Panic, what a play. Gets one and saves it first. Unbelievable diving play by Joe Panic. This play would be reviewed and overturned in the first year in which we had a video replay in Major League Baseball to review plays like this, and it would be it would show in replay that Eric Hosmer was out making this a 4-6-3 double play. Now, as much as I am singing the praises of Jeremy Affelt on this night, who knows who the main topic of this conversation regarding this game would be if Joe Panic doesn't make this play. Because Lorenzo Cain had tremendous speed. If he doesn't get to this ball, we're talking first and third, nobody out in the bottom of the third inning with the five, six, and seven hitters due up for the Kansas City Royals. This could have changed this entire series. This could have changed this entire podcast in regards of how we're talking about this thing today. But a remarkable play by Joe Panic turning two there. Billy Butler would ground out in the next at-bat, ending the threat in the bottom of the third. And in the top of the fourth, the Giants would retake the lead with a runner on third. Mike Morse would see an 0-2 pitch from newly put into the game pitcher Kelvin Herrera, and he would do this. Joe Buck on the call there. Mike Morse didn't do a ton. Well, I guess I I probably shouldn't say that. Mike Morse was not some star player, but man, oh man, did he have some big moments for this Giants team in 2014. I mean, we talked last week about the the pinch hit home run in the bottom of the eighth inning in game five of the NLCS, and of course the go-ahead single here in the top of the fourth inning to put the Giants in front in game seven. Jeremy Affelt would pitch a scoreless frame in the bottom of the fourth inning, and his night would be done, and he would pitch tremendous. Two and a third, one hit, zero runs, zero walks, zero strikeouts on 32 pitches. A tremendous outing by the reliever, and with the Giants up three to two, they elected to go with their ace, Madison Bumgarner, in the bottom of the fifth inning. How did it work out? We'll talk about it next. 
we're back. And like I said, Madison Bumgarner brought into the game. He had been otherworldly throughout the entire postseason in 2014, especially in the World Series through seven innings of one-run ball in Game 1, through a complete game shutout in Game 5, was the best player, you know, position player, pitcher, regardless, in this entire series. And this was, um, you, you know, if you're listening to this, you know baseball history, you know he was amazing on this night. But it wasn't right away. It did not seem like he had his best stuff. Omar Infante led off the fifth inning with a single. Asides uh, Escobar would would hit a sack bunt, moving Infante to second. Nori Aoki would get ahead in the count two nothing, and Madison Bumgarner would be gifted a very generous strike call on the two zero pitch. Next pitch, Aoki would line out to left. Uh, the defense had it played really well in in shallow left field for the second out. Lorenzo Cain would strike out swinging. This was I feel like a golden opportunity missed for the Royals. When you have a pitcher like Baumgartner, and it's like this with a lot of ace pitchers, Verlander is the king of this. If you don't get to them early, they have a tendency to settle in. And their stuff seems to get to be, seems to get better later in games. And that's exactly what we saw here. After that little blip in the fifth inning, Bumgarner just started mowing him down. Goes one, two, three in the sixth. Goes one, two, three in the seventh. Goes one, two, three in the eighth. Now the Royals bullpen was holding extremely strong. Kelvin Herrera, despite giving up the single that allowed the go-ahead run to score, he was put in a really tough position being brought into the game with, with runners in scoring position. But he goes two and two-thirds scoreless innings. Wade Davis, who was one of the baddest dudes on the planet, for a couple years there, goes two scoreless. Greg Holland in the ninth inning throws a scoreless frame, striking out two. Royals pitchers would strike out 12 on this evening compared to the Giants' five strikeouts. So we would go to the bottom of the ninth. Madison Bumgarner absolutely rolling Giants three outs away from their third World Series in five years. And through two batters, it looked like it was going to be Pretty easy for Mad Bum to get through this final inning. He strikes out Eric Hosmer. Billy Butler would foul out to first base. And then Alex Gordon would come to the dish. And we saw one of the nearly craziest moments in World Series history happen right here. Here's the 0-1. That's in the air to left center. That ball is down. And it gets passed to the wall. Gordon is going to dig for third. A mistake in the outfield. And he will hold there with two out. This was a legitimate hit. I mean, a sharp line drive to center field and Gregor Blanco in center and Juan Perez in left nearly teamed up for one of the all-time boofs in World Series history. It it takes one hop, goes under the, the legs, goes five-hole essentially on the center fielder Blanco, rolls all the way to left field where Juan Perez fumbled with it for a little bit. Alex Gordon would head to third, was held up at third base, and it leaves us with one of the great what-ifs in World Series history. Should they have sent him? Should they not have sent him? I think nine times out of ten, Brandon Crawford, who got the relay throw and was at the outfield grass and who was a, continues to be an extremely reliable defensive shortstop, Nine times out of ten, I think he makes the throw home. Buster Posey easily applies the tag, and Gordon is out ending the World Series. But there's always going to be that uncertainty, especially in in the most high-leverage, most intense moment a player can possibly have. Game seven of the World Series, you're up by a run. You never know exactly what type of throw that Brandon Crawford 
could have made to the plate. Maybe it bounces in. Maybe Posey doesn't handle it. Maybe Gordon is safe, and and this podcast and baseball history is changed forever, but it did give the Royals some momentum for the first time in a long time. The crowd was back on its feet, and Salvador Perez was at the dish. Salvador Perez, such a key piece to those Royals teams, World Series MVP in 2015, early in this game got hit in the leg by a pitch, and in most games, probably would have would have t- been taken out of the game. But there was no tomorrow here. It's Game 7 of the World Series. And Salvador Perez, one of the toughest players in all of baseball for a while there, elected to stay in. But he was not completely healthy. And I feel like you could you could tell. And I don't blame them for not pinch hitting. You, this was a guy you wanted in the game. He'd been so clutch for them for so many years. But it was obvious that it was advantage mad bum. With that said, whoever came into bat, it was probably going to be advantage Mad Bum with the way he was rolling. It was a six-pitch battle. I mean, he worked the count even at two and two, but Bumgarner just kept putting the ball exactly where he wanted it. Posey wanted it up in the zone. That's exactly where he threw every pitch in this at-bat, and it ended in the sixth pitch of the at-bat with this. The 2-2. Giants for the third time in the last five years and their hero Madison Bumgarner and that was all she wrote in 2014 I just I remember this is one of those few times where I was able to kind of take the moment in and I'm like man one run game game seven of the World Series the tying run is at third the winning run is at the plate you can't ask for anything more than that. These two teams really put on a show in an awesome seven-game series, and the greatest showman was Madison Bumgarner, one of the crowning achievements of any postseason run. Simply put, probably the greatest pitching performance of the modern age. He was superhuman throughout this entire postseason. World Series MVP running away in 2014, just an all-time great performance, and the Giants uh, have not obviously won a playoff series since then. They won their 3-5, and five, a little mini dynasty there for a while. The Royals would respond by going on to win the World Series the next year. So both these teams, in a way, had kind of a happy ending, though at the time I'm sure it was extremely heartbreaking for Kansas City faithful. A great series punctuated by an all-time great pitching performance by Madison Baumgartner, and it is the number 8th best game on my list of the top 25 games of the last decade. So that will do it for today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani 2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. And if you have any questions for this show, because eventually I will be doing mailbags, you can email them to the show's Gmail account, LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. And while you're uh, in self-isolation, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a positive review. It would be much much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. We got one more podcast this week. I'll be back on Friday talking about the seventh best game of the decade. Have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.